Hey, this is Clark from the Paleo Hacks podcast. Happy Thursday and welcome back. This week on the show, we got Dr. Pedram Shojai. He's coming on to talk about his latest book, The Urban Monk, Eastern Wisdom and Modern Hacks to Stop Time and Find Success, Happiness, and Peace. Really cool show. We get into hacking sleep, how to get the best night sleep of your life, and uh, you don't really have to buy anything to do that, just taking things out, actually. Um, We talk about that on the call. Managing stress, why cortisol is like your credit card. Love that bit on how to reduce stress in here. And then uh, his new movie coming out, his documentary, Prosperity, all about externalities. You know, who pays for the environmental cost of uh, pollution going up? Or if you ship a car from uh, China to Los Angeles, you know, there's a cost of that polluting. So who pays for that? It really peels back the layers and we talk about that at the end. Announcements, paleohacks.com. Of course, the place to be for articles, blogs, recipes. Uh, if you want the archives of this show, timestamps, full video version. You can see our pretty faces talking back and forth. That's over there at paleohacks.com, as well as recipes such as the grain-free, dairy-free paleo blackberry coconut souffle. You heard that right, the coconut souffle. I uh, use simple ingredients, and we show you how to make it on there at pillarhacks.com. If you want to get a hold of me, Clark at ClarkDanger.com is my email. You can send me anything over there or at ClarkDangerous on all the social platforms, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, etc. And that's it for announcements, guys. Let's go hear. You ready for the show? I'm ready for you to hear it. Let's go see what my man Pedram Shojai has to say. Getting the radio voice. <laughs> My next guest is a man with many titles. He is the founder of Well.org, author of the New York Times bestselling book, The Urban Monk. He created three documentaries. The latest one coming out is called Prosperity. Returning guest back to the stage, Mr. Pedram Shojai. Hey. How, How you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. Excited for... Uh, round two here i think we talked this time last year has been that long yeah it was when origins came out (laughs) yeah yeah uh well when origins came out so it's like late 2014 but no we came on a little like we were in 2015 with you for sure so yeah yeah it's good to be back yeah um i was looking at your workload before this i mean you launched the urban monk you're coming out with prosperity you're you've been a very busy man this year um, so what's it like going from a book to a documentary now? Like you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're just go, go, go. Yeah. You know, it's just this, like, you, there's so much work to be done that there's no rest for the weary, you know? And for me, this, this movie is making itself. I just got to like plug myself in and keep kind of moving my feet. And it's a, it's an important project to me. So, you know, at the end of the day, you get up and you're going to fight your fight. So is it going to be a small one or a big one? And, um, is it, is it worth, you know, is it worth getting out of bed for? And for me, things that I get out of bed for nowadays are, you know, um, they're, they're serious projects and I just, you know, they take a lot of energy and so I have to take better care of myself. I got to, you know, find work life balance and all that. But, you know, it's, I love what we're doing. And so, you know, it's not really work. You just get up and do it. Yeah. So the urban monk came out this year, right? Urban monk came out in February 
and, um, you know, did the whole like kind of traveling circus for a little bit. Um, but you know, I told him I'm not going to go on book tour, um, because I got, I, you know, I'm a six month old. So, you know, back engineer that, you know, I just had a little baby at home. And so a couple small kids and, you know, I don't want to be that dad. Right. So right. I, I didn't travel as much and, you know, it still did phenomenally well. It's a bestseller and all that, but you know, it's because the, the tone is very familiar and it really speaks to what people are stressing about nowadays. It's like, we don't have time for anything. And, you know, we are, you know, kind of wound up about all this like self care and what the hell are we supposed to do about it? And, you know, everyone's just throwing all kinds of like thou shalt, thou shalt nots. And, you know, it's just, it's so hard to even know what to do, right. Let alone do anything. And so, um, you know, I just had to dispel some of that and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit irreverent. So the book's got a cool tone and people liked it yeah so on the urban monk if this is someone's first time hearing uh pedro on the call they didn't hear our last call uh, how would you kind of describe your story um for the person out there Sure. Uh, I was a Taoist monk for four years. I'm an ordained priest and abbot of an of a esoteric kind of Qigong lineage. I've also traveled uh, with the Dalai Lama. I mean, I've been around the block and I kind of did the Eastern studies and I realized asking normal people to meditate an hour and a half a day and do all the things that I had the luxury of doing is absolutely unreasonable. And it's because they're householders and not ascetics. And a householder has to deal with bills, has to deal with reality. And so how can I help bring the mountains back down to the towns and help normal people just have a better outlook on life because we just, our burn rate is jacked, right? And so it's like, we all think, oh, I'm going to catch up this weekend. I'm going to catch up, you know, on my vacation. I'm going to catch up here when I retire. And that's just, that's an unsustainable approach to a lifestyle that we've all been kind of thrust upon, which is just tearing at us in every direction, whether it's, you know, toxic chemicals in the environment, overwhelming amounts of stress, not enough time for anything. You know, it's just you if you don't find balance daily, you're pretty much screwed. And so, you know, I had to really step in and be like, look, don't just read the tabloids um, because, you know, six ways to get a six pack and have better sex is not really reality. Um, and that's really cute, but that's clickbait. So what's reality? Reality is, you know, here's here's simple shit that works. Right. Yeah. And, you know, people who do it do better. Listicles. Those are the big things. Oh, my God, man. It's just it's it's tragic, right? It's just it's it's everything wants to be kind of diluted down to something that's useless. And that's the culture we live in. And, you know, so the Kardashians, why are they winning? Like because people people kind of race to the bottom and then they wonder why they're they're not feeling well. The 18 things you're going to get out of this podcast. Right. With Pedram. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's it. And that's just, you know, everyone's kind of like, well, that's what works. And I'm like, well, screw that. Let's change that. Because what works is meditation. What works is taking a walk. What works is the normal stuff that we know. But because like meditation was already talked about 6,000 years ago, like I need meditation 3.0. Oh, you should get like the Pedram meditation. It's it's newer, better, faster, you know, more more efficient. And, And it's just like, no, meditation. That's cool. Like you should just do that. Yeah, it's always worked. I don't need my brand of meditation. I just need people to chill the hell out. The soylent of meditation. Totally, totally. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm hearing then is is the book and the practices is taking that ancient stuff and applying it to the modern world, which is what paleo is attempting to do or ancestral health or real food movements. We're looking at what worked in the past and how do we incorporate it in our modern world because I mean, it's toxic now. It's a different place. Like you were saying, you know, we have chemicals, we have 
all these different things floating around. Even traffic is not normal. Everything we do on a day-to-day basis. And so, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or stop me whenever, but so it's taken all the ancient wisdom and modifying it to fit our modern world. Yeah. And without diluting it, right. In a way where, you know, everyone wants a dilutive, it's like, give me a 30 second meditation. That's going to like, you know, hack my day. And it's like, nah, it's not gonna work. Um, you know, so here's what you need to do for 15 minutes. You know, you could spread it out throughout your day, but, um, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what I know works. Right. And, and that's an adult way of doing it. Whereas, you know, a lot, a lot of this kind of health industry is about like, you know, just telling people what they want to hear and promising things that are untenable. Right. It's just, it's not, it's not real. And I'm just tired of not real. I'm tired. You know, there's just a lot of tricksters out there and, you know, you want to get better. Here's what we know works, right? I'm a doctor. Like I, I know this stuff. And, and so all my, all the people that I hang, hang with are smart doctors and smart PhDs and people who know what the hell is going on. And they're, you know, in, 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 under, in closed quarters, no one's saying, you know, here's the three things you do for rock hard abs. That's not health. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the diet books that sell the most are the ones that say, keep doing what you're doing and you'll lose 50 pounds. Or totally. the, the Frito Lays and chocolate cake diet, or um, sometimes the harder truth is out there, but it's not sexy to say drink your water, go to bed on time, meditate, all that stuff. Um, even though it might work, so I'm I'm curious. And so I'm looking at your book. It's got a lot of things in there. Um, a lot of things stood out to me, especially on loneliness at the end. There, I want to get into money, nature. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. Um, but how do you set up the urban monk when someone picks up the book? Like, what do you what's your kind of pitch to them that encapsulates what it's about? This is for you, right? As a normal person, this isn't some sort of, you know, guru trying to like look cool, trying to talk big and, and, and get followers. I could care less about being a guru. I actually don't want gurus around. You know what I mean? This is about empowering the individual so that we can actually live in a society where people aren't like, oh, please protect me. Oh, please, you know, uh, you know, tell me who to vote for. You know, and it's just we've, we've lost agency as a culture. And to have agency as a human being means you make decisions for yourself and you step up and you have your, you're in your personal power. And, um, you know, people are quick to give away their power nowadays, whether it's to the doctor or the therapist or to Donald Trump, you know, it's just, you just like, here, just, you know, you lead. And that's not, you know, that's not what a, this country was founded on. And it certainly isn't what's going to like, you know, help us out in, in, you know, kind of the, the years to come. Right. And so I want to make a point on something we were just talking about before we leave there, um, because the paleo movement's also been infected by some of this, which is like, oh, yeah, just eat bacon, baby. You know, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. And it's like, did you not get the part where paleo- paleolithic man and woman were foraging for roots, shoots and tubers and like eating mostly vegetables and fiber? And then, you know, they'd get they'd pull down a deer now and again and it was a party. Um, you know, I think a lot of people just want like, you know, butter and bacon and think that that's paleo. And that's a disservice. And I know you guys aren't doing that. But there's a lot of people out there that are just like, you know, tell them what they want. And so that's bullshit. Right. Yeah. Like you got to eat vegetables. That's or, what or des- ancestors ate. Right? Sorry, to, sorry to cut you off. But like dessert cookbooks are the number one selling thing. Out. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I want paleo cookies, baby. And, and so it's like give me paleo honey nut Cheerios. Come on. Right. And it's just like we we just we we don't want to get out of the same kind of snacking habits yet. We want to like, you know, be under a label that makes us feel okay about what we do. And so it's just, you know, um, everyone's in a trance. 
everyone is walking around in an absolute trance, oblivious of the decisions that they're making. And so uh, when we look at trying to get people to wake up, it's really about waking up out of the scripts that they think are part of kind of this narrative. It's like, oh, no, no now I'm paleo. That defines me. And these are paleo cookies. So I'm just going to eat them without thinking. Right. And so you got to look at what it implies. It implies going back to your roots. It implies going back to, to nature. It implies eating things that come from the ground and, and really spending time with raw vegetables and, 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 and you know, the, the things that we would have had access to in our ancestry and, you know, some processing plant that like chucks out paleo cookies. I'm not quite sure if that's, that's where we're going here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems too, that there's a lot of, uh, talk about lifestyle practices now getting put into place. Like, uh, you know, this show, we have a lot of people coming on talking about nutrition approaches, but there's at the end of the day, a reason some people just crave sugar or can't give up, uh, drinking or smoking or whatever they're doing And it has nothing to do with the information out there. And a lot of it can be managed as well through lifestyle practices like you're talking about in your book. Um, And so I I enjoyed looking through some of those. And the first one was talking about time and the art of mastering time. Um, I'll leave that one kind of open ended. You can Mm -hmm. go wherever you want with that. (laughs) So one of the things that, um, you know, everyone's suffering from stress and when we kind of unpack what stress looks like in the modern world, a lot of it comes from time compression, right? I was just having a conversation with my, my team about this at lunch today, actually, which was, hey, you know, um, this is this week is a little stressful because I have a full schedule, but there's a couple of things that are off my calendar that keep like cramming in. Like I got a guy calling right now trying to get a hold of me. It's like, well, I'm, dude, I'm at lunch and I have this other thing going on. And so when you try to compress too many items in a given timeline, it creates stress. And so sometimes that happens in an organization and it's fine. But if you have a, if you have a tendency to do that, to say yes to things, it's like, Hey, uh, we're going to go for a hike, but during that hike, we're going to record a podcast and fly a drone and, you know, talk about your personal life offline. How the hell is that all going to happen at the same time? Well, that's what we do every day in our schedules. And then that compression of time creates this thing that we perceive as stress, which is like, holy shit, how am I going to get to all this? And the, the relationship we have with time. I mean, look, time's pretty cool. Like I'm not wearing my time piece right now. It's, you know, I got this one charging. It's my little Apple watch, which is just a glorified watch. As far as I'm concerned, doesn't do crap. Um, Sleep tracker. Yeah, totally. That's yeah. I mean, you know, might as well just wear a Fitbit. Um, But so, you know, I use that to basically be on time for this podcast. I use that to be on time for, you know, commitments in societal time. But it really isn't the moniker of where my consciousness needs to be as I kind of step out of time. So I will take time throughout the day to catch my breath. I will take time to kind of breathe in and, and really drink from infinity and, and leverage my ability to shift my consciousness and my perception of time so that I can relax deeply. And I think most people don't do that. It's like, oh, you know, I'm all stressed out. Let me just double click my meditation app and like, you know, I, I think I feel better, right? Versus really understanding what meditation is and really understanding what the kind of far-reaching implications are, which is the cultivation of your consciousness and understanding that you're way more than your physical body. You're way more than this like, you know, train going down the tracks today and to step in and connect with something real 
so that you're in that timeless space. And all you need to do is spend a couple minutes there and then you, you, you gain perspective. You could come back and be like, okay, I get it. The phone's ringing a lot today. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's not, you know, I don't need to jump out of a window. It's just, you know, the phones are ringing a lot and there's a problem in customer service. Like, we'll deal with it. Yeah. I mean, you said a lot there that I wanted to hit on. And I guess the point that first stood out to me is is being wound up all the time. And even, you know, perfect example, you go to the bathroom, but you take your iPhone with you and you're constantly on it, constantly busy. And I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about myself. Like this yep. is a problem Clark has. And I'll be laying in bed and uh, in between like a Netflix show or whatever, just checking my iPod or iPhone Instagram while I'm watching Netflix. And there's always like five different things going on at once. So I think what you, what I heard you say is that all those different things going on at once are causing a lot of stress because even when we're trying to unwind, like sitting and watching Netflix, we're still doing like five other things at once and we never turn yeah. it off. Well, I'd like to say I'm going to call you out on something here. Um, watching Netflix isn't unwinding. Watching Netflix is watching Netflix, and watching anything in bed is jacking into your sleep patterns. So I'm going to I'm going to invite you to reconsider your consumption of media in bed. It's the bed is for making love and sleeping, and um, you know that's a problem we have in our modern culture is these blue lit devices. Even if you have like the blo- the blue blockers and all this, these devices are are, are making it into places that we're supposed to have less stimulation and it's all this damn stimulation that is overwhelming the psyche, right? Our consciousness gets pressure cooked with all of this news and you know let's go back to paleolithic times you basically you you know you watch you sit around a fire you might play some drums if you're lucky you get laid you go to bed, right? That's it. It's dark. The predators are out there. You're not supposed to be out there. Your eyes suck compared to that of a coyote, right? And so we are forced to kind of hunker down, um, get okay with the dark, and, and, and revel in the silence. And that's where physiologically we've kind of been able to, to kind of downshift and decelerate into this thing called sleep. And if we have the, you know, the, the noise still going at night and then eventually we shut off the lights and we're like, okay, it's time for sleep. It's like, okay, why am I not sleeping? Why am I not sleeping? It's still fast. Right. And so some people are good at it. Like I, I can't, like I just, you know, if I watch a movie or something, I go to bed, that movie's playing on the like screen of my mind for like a couple hours. I have dreams and sleep disturbance and all that. And so I just, I'm, I'm, I don't stand a chance. Like I, I, we, we decelerate about a couple hours before bed and, um, then you get quality sleep, right? And you, you know, like I have rituals for my kids where they, you know, we do things for them to fall asleep, yet we forget to do it for ourselves as adults. Sure. So then what's your prescription or recommendation of the right way to go to bed? Yep. A couple hours before sleep, all devices off. I'd say get all the electronics out of your, your bedroom. No phones in bed, no iPads in bed, no TV in bed. Read a book. Um, we like to have candlelight. Um, you know, you use candlelight in the evenings. It really helps decelerate. It brings back some sort of real primal juju that effectively puts your consciousness in this other place where it's like, oh, right. Okay. It's nighttime. We're slowing down now. Right. Um, keep it cool and dark, all that kind of stuff, but no bills in bed. No, you know, no kind of stimulation other than like say sex in bed. And then you cuddle and you go to sleep. Right. And that's it. That's it. Keep it simple and keep bring that simplicity, pay that simplicity forward into your next day, because we have this tendency to 
overly complicate and layer um, complicated solutions to pl- problems because we feel like there's so much going on. And often the, the solution set is a simple one that resolves this kind of array of complexity that is uh, plaguing us in the modern world. Um, so do you follow any of those prescriptions that talk about like getting Wi-Fi out of your house except for when you're using it, like turning it off and doing all that? Um, I know a lot of people who do. I've recommended it for people who have like energy sensitivities. Uh, we have, uh, you know, I've, I've recommended Faraday cages for people, lead lining their walls. Some people are really sensitive to EMF. Huh. And there's uh, companies out there that will come in like retrofit your house and like literally create like an wow. electromagnetic cave. Wow. for your bedroom. And, um, you know, I've done, I've, I've places that I've, I have like my meditation room where it's just completely like dark, dark in that. Um, and I see tremendous results with it. So I think that there's something there. I think that, you know, we don't know enough about all these lights and whiz bang things buzzing around. Yeah. And, uh, you know, look, uh, you know, the, the ocean hangs right around seven Hertz, right? Mm-hmm. Our alpha rhythm in our brain is right around seven Hertz. The home cordless phone is 2.4 gigahertz, right up right up next to your parietal lobe, and so we don't know what the hell that's doing. But you know, I don't want to find out by you know getting a brain cancer diagnosis. Like I think I'd I think I'd rather just go for a hike. My grandma back in the day, she gave me like she's she's super into every thing health to the point of conspiracy like she takes it to the nth degree alex jones homepage, you know all that stuff yeah um but she's right about a lot of things she's right about a lot of things and she's ahead of the curve and i remember like 10 20 years ago maybe i I think when cell phones were just coming out she gave me a little chip to put on the back of my iphone it was an emf blocker um are there there any sort of emf things you can diy like for your own cave if you want to experiment with it or you just recommend getting someone in there to do it for you well no i mean like iron mesh will do it there's certain things that like so if if you just look up emf blockers a lot of technology out there um there's i mean a faraday cage is like a completely like dead zone for emf but you know creating a faraday cage in an entire room could be a little pricey um, I, I know there's people playing with different kind of like paints that will block hmm. like, you know, have iron. And so it's it's a little wild, wild west. But I got to say the people that have really needed it. I've had a lot of people that have been like electronically sensitive over the years and I've recommended stuff like that. You know, it's might have cost them five, ten grand to like retrofit their bedroom. And they're like, dude. I'm like reversing aging. Like I'm, I'm sleeping better and better every night. Like I just feel like I have life back. So, I mean, think about it. If, hmm. if sleep is the fountain of youth, if you could get it, how do you, how do you, Oh, sorry. Do you finish? Yeah. I was just say, if you could get it and your body gets what it needs at night, then every single day you're just like, boom, come on, let's go. Right. How do you tell if you're sensitive to EMFs? Is there like checklist? You just get like agitated around technology. You feel like, you know, some people get headaches. Some people's eyes get weird. Some people get like, um, you know, just kind of like weird sensations w- around their tech. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a growing concern. And the science out there is really kind of sketchy. I mean, you know, you look at a lot of these things and they're just like, I don't know. We, we, we can't find anything like, you know, maybe unless you like live under the power lines. We don't know what's going on. But, you know. Then again, we still don't know what's going on with acupuncture, yet we know it works. So there's all sorts of subtle vibratory things that are happening, you know, as our bones are formed and our nerves conduct and all sorts of things that are happening physiologically in our body that we don't really understand the electromagnetics of yet. 
And so all I know is there's tons of anecdotal evidence that this stuff works. And there's millions of people that are complaining about sensitivity to EMFs and many of which who, you know, do stuff like this and get better. So to me, that's like, oh, that's, that's interesting. You know, um, I know the science isn't quite there yet, but it's, it's something worth looking at. Yeah. Um, talking about winding down sleep, you know, tracking it, getting everything optimized to rest. I know the opposite of that is stress, which we were talking about earlier. And in, in the, um, your book, you talk about what happened to sleep and that cortisol is like a credit card when you're talking about cortisol. I like that analogy. Um, can you kind of talk about that analogy? I'll let you riff yeah, on that. So if, if, I'm, if, if my brain senses that it needs energy, um, and that's usually in the form of sugar, right? Like burning energy, ATP to get, to get, you know, the, keep the, keep the show going. Um, and, um, usually that means go get me food dummy. And it's like, no, 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 you can't, you see, I'm doing this podcast right now. Can't you see I'm working on this document? Can't you see I'm watching Netflix while playing on my iPhone? Um, it's like, I'll eat later. Then it's like, all right, um, I'm going to call on the adrenals to secrete cortisol to then go get some of our glycogen reserves turn that into energy and like keep it going. It's like a line of credit. And it works pretty effectively through our 20s, maybe into our 30s if we're lucky. Uh, But you know what? There's an interest rate on that. And so we keep swiping and we keep swiping and we don't like go have good nights of sleep. It's like, you know, think about it. You're in college and like you work your ass off. You pull like all these all-nighters to get through finals week and then spring break, baby. You just go party, right? It's like when do you catch up on your sleep? When do you actually rest? And so that's kind of a, like a, kind of a mark of our culture. And so eventually you don't rest. You don't feed. You don't pay back the debt. So your adrenals keep borrowing and borrowing. And then eventually your, your, your cortisol levels start to get skewed. Your hormones start to go off. You start using adrenaline and noradrenaline instead. And it becomes this, this hot mess where then your sleep is messed up. You can't get an erection. Your hormones are off as a female. And it's it just it just goes downhill pretty quickly, like in the 30s and 40s, um, and you don't feel it in your 20s because like you're you're bulletproof, right? And it, it's just it's one of those things that um, you don't see the damage because it's happening internally until all of a sudden you just feel empty inside. And you know I see that uh, more often than I'd like to say uh, in, in in clinical settings. And so you know it's something that I really had to kind of write about to intercept in the book because it's absolutely preventable and it just has to do with adjusting your burn rate and, and living a life with less frantic chaos, right? It's we, we, we're just we're just too wound up, man. So what are some more um, action steps you always recommend people try out if they're feeling really wound up? Um, we were talking about sleep and optimizing your environment for that. A- anything else? Sure, lots. But you know, one of, one of the easiest places to start is lower diaphragmatic breathing, right? And I, and I talk about millions of different techniques in the book that that help. Once you understand the why, then you could like get into the techniques. But if you take even three minutes to breathe down lower belly breathing and really fill up the lower abdomen on the inhale and then deflate it on the exhale and really slow down and get into it. What happens is a physiological trigger which moves us from sympathetic fight or flight nervous system directly into parasympathetic rest and digest. 
which means send, send blood to the part of the brain that makes us more human, that helps us make better decisions. It means help digest that food, help heal my cells, clear the leaky gut, all the good stuff that we need. We can't go there when the bullets are flying. And so there's lots of techniques I showed in the book to like kind of just pop in the clutch and go to that space. But if you don't learn how to go to that space, I don't care how much kale you eat. I don't care how much coconut oil you slather all over yourself. You are not allowing your body to go into a place where it can heal because, you know, the, the, the Gestapo is at the door and you're like absolutely panicked all the time because the world is ending. And that's where, that's where we are psychologically under the duress of cortisol in this kind of energy um, economics that are faulty that almost all of us are running in the modern world. So the lower diaphragmatic breathing, um, I've heard it described as when you're looking at infants come out, you know, they're not breathing from their chest. They're just breathing from their belly. It moves up and down. So that's a good analogy for what you're talking about. Absolutely. And a lot of the ancient Taoist texts speak very specifically about that. They're like, look, this kid was born. They knew, right? And it's just this, this whole deep diaphragmatic breathing where the entire cycle of breath is pulling the diaphragm down. It's, it's basically doing all sorts of wonderful things to not only tell and signal the adrenals to chill, it signals the entire nervous system to say, this animal is relaxed and therefore let's move back into a peacetime economy. Right. Versus a wartime economy. We all live in a wartime economy. What happens in a wartime economy? All the money goes to Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan and we don't have money for books and, and, and bridges and roads. Right. Healthcare doesn't get any money when, when you're fighting a war. And that's where we live. Right. Individually and as a culture, we live in this crisis mode and you're only a few breaths away from stepping out of that mode. And it's just a decision away. And there's nothing anyone can do to put you there. You have to be able to go there yourself. And that's really, you know, the central message is, you know, there's no guru that's going to do it for you. There's no pill that's going to do it for you. There's no magic supplement that's going to do that for you. You have to become conscious enough to recognize how you're feeling and then slow down and and tap into that other place and then you're free. And so do you do that while you're meditating? Is that kind of like your meditation practice as well? I'm doing that right now, right? I'm doing it all the time. And that's the point is, yes, I'll, I'll sit down and do meditation for the first two, three minutes. I'll kind of drop the breath and lower in and kind of focus the eyes on the tip of the nose and just kind of like drop in. And then I'll do Qigong and all sorts of internal work. But really, I won't do it until I've, I've, I've quieted the mind and gone into that space. But the moral of the story is don't just think that the meditation is it. Like that's not your watering hole. That's where you go to like learn the skills. But then you carry that into your day with you. That's how you breathe. That's how you roll. Keeping the tip of the tongue touching the roof of the mouth and just staying in lower diaphragmatic breath allows me to do all the stuff that we talked about when we first started. I'm a busy dude, but I don't go crazy because I stay in my calm zone and I get good work done and I get a lot of work done. Yeah. Uh, When we're talking about meditation and mindfulness, it's definitely been getting a lot of talk in the last three years. Um, all sorts of apps are coming out like headspace and calm and people are going crazy with it. Um, it's easier said than done. And I know that I've tried to incorporate meditation as much as I can. And I go through months where I'm doing it every day, gold star, and then months where I'm not doing it at all. Um, so I guess there's two separate things. The first one, which we can start with is what is your 
definition or prescription or recommendation for mindfulness or meditation. And then the second one is how do we continue to do it? <laughs> yeah. So mindfulness and meditation. So, so the example I would use is your desktop. And you look at your desktop and see how many open windows you have. And you go, oh, wow, um, you know, my performance is slow. I'm not getting what I said I was getting, wanting to do done. I'm distracted and I'm sluggish. What I should do is come over, grab my mouse and double-click meditation and be like, um, 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 okay, close down the meditation app, go, go back to 15 open windows. And that, I think, is kind of fundamentally why meditation hasn't worked for the West for a lot of people, in the West for a lot of people, because it's been taught wrong. Meditation should be the virus checker being like, hey, dummy, you have 43 open windows. Like, how the hell is that serving you? Weren't you working on this document? Close and save everything else. Get your instant messenger off. Get your Skype off and just stay focused on what you're doing. Finish it, save it, close it, move on to the next thing. As a matter of fact, when you're done, once you go outside, do 50 jumping jacks and stretch a little bit, drink some water and come back and do the next thing one at a time. So meditation is what should be your operating system, the mindfulness of being like, hey, what am I doing right now? Like, do I need to be doing all that? Like, why am I checking my Skype? Like, I'm supposed to be doing this other thing, but I keep getting distracted because the guys want to go get a drink. And, you know, all the things that pop up, that's how the mind works. So these these monitors, these screens, they're just a reflection of our own consciousness. And so that is the primary interface is, you know, I meditate on my cushion to kind of go to that place so that I, I have access to that place when the bullets are flying later in the day or later in the week. And so I have that as like my, my safe haven. That's, that's like the watering hole. And to, to your second question, I would say I've been teaching and practicing something called a gong for about 20 years now, which is a hundred days of dedicated practice along whatever lines that you choose for yourself. And so if you say, look, I'm going to meditate every day for a hundred days, that's your gong. And you say, okay, well, what's that like? Is it going to be five minutes, 20 minutes, whatever the duration is, you make that deal with yourself. And then every single day you check off the list and say, look, I did it. And then when you finish the hundred days, you've hit the gong. And what that does is a, it gives you a win and kind of builds the discipline. And it also starts to create little micro habits and behavior. And so like, I'll finish a gong and then the next day I'll get up and I'll be like, woohoo, you know, you know, party day. And I'll just get up and naturally start doing my Qigong and sit and meditate because I just feel better doing it. Right. So you build micro habits with goals that are kind of lined up with your purpose and in doing so, you get much more clarity on why you're doing it. And then you also like gamify it so that you actually like, you know, are like really paying attention to your discipline. Because one of our biggest challenges is we just don't we, – we, we're just so easy to – easily distracted. And by setting up something to make a deal with yourself, you can stay focused. And the more you do that, the more you get your focus to line up with your willpower, that's – that's when you could become a real positive like person. You could really change things on the planet. I guess then for the person who's never tried meditating and they hear it and they're like, I've been hearing so much about it. You know what? After this call, I'm going to give it a shot. What would you recommend they start out doing? Any practice or yeah. method? I mean, I got, I got a great one. I, I have a bunch of free stuff that I've created for my students. I could give a link to that, but you know, it's, and it's easy. It's the urbanmonk.com slash reboot. I have a thing called four count med- four count breathing in there, which literally walks you through a basic meditation where you're counting and observing your mind and your breath. 
and just kind of shows you the basics. And it's like, all right, have fun. Now you know how to meditate. You don't have to dress in Lululemon. You don't have to change your name to Krishna. You don't have to get all weird. Just breathe. Right. It's like, I think, I think people have like made it all culturally weird and like, you know, you have to like be a different person to meditate. Well, I know some of the the captains of industry and some of the most successful people I know, and I've been consulting fortune 100 CEOs for a long time. They're coming to me asking how to meditate and they're still wearing suits. You know what I mean? It's so it's just about your inner state, not about your outer identity, which I think is like a real kind of challenge with the, with how the West takes things on anyways, like, oh, now I'm a yoga person. Now I'm a meditation person. No, you don't even know who you are. Just, just breathe. Right. No, no, still. Yeah. And so you don't, uh, have any particular school of meditation, like transcendental or mantras or any of that. There's tons of good stuff out there and, you know, different strokes for different folks. I'm not, like I said, um, what, what the right meditation is, is what's the right meditation for you. Right. And so, you know, I'm not, and again, I'm not the guy that's like, no, you should do Pedram style meditation because that guy wants your money. You know what I mean? Like there's so much of that crap out there. I think TM is great. I think four count breathing is great. I think, you know, yantra, mantra, qigong, tai chi, yoga, any way up you, any way up the mountain you can. If you're like super Christian, just pray. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of ways to do this, but the moral of the story is it doesn't work unless you do it. Yeah. I, uh, switching gears. I was looking at Prosperity, the new documentary um, you're in the process of. Can you kind of set that up? What's Prosperity all about? Um, Why is that such a passion for you? So when I made my first movie, Vitality, it was really like, you know, me as a, a healthcare CEO being like, what the hell are we doing? Like, I only get paid when people are sick. There's a strong financial disincentive to actually get these people well. This isn't right livelihood. This isn't for me. Right. So I left and I made a movie about like the healthcare system and like how we, you know, snap out of it. And then a couple of years later, I followed with Origins, which was like, why are we so damn sick? And it's like, wow, look at all the 70 million pounds of chemicals that we're adding to our environment every day. And wait, well, well, whoa, there's this and there's that and there's endocrine disruptors and holy crap, like we're doing it, right? And then we started to follow the money because really I started looking at how do we fix this? And it really had to do with like the entire economy and how we run this thing called the economy. And I met amazing people and have been in these incredible dialogues with not only like these heroes that are doing it right, but you know, just behavioral scientists and, and, and really kind of like top level thinkers that are working on solutions to fix and change how we, we actually approach this whole thing uh, and create a whole other sector in the economy that that is in this kind of like benefit space and and so it's been it's been fascinating and like I've just like next week I'm on these like remote islands in Panama with a tribe called the Kuna because um, there's something about how you know and I don't want to you know, spoil any part of the movie here but you know there's this supply chain hack where they cut out all the middlemen and now there's like this abundance coming right back to the tribe and the things that are happening for the tribe and what are happening for the customers and the the company that's doing the right thing and this just this wonderful virtuous circle of or spiral if you will of goodness that we can help support and we can be a part of and it's just we don't see it you don't see it when you turn on cbs or abc because they're sponsored by the companies that are the polluters and and so there's this whole other world that has already emerged that it's my duty to put my cameras on because it's it's happening and we're just helping it happen faster because I got kids and I wanted them to have grandkids and I want them to remember what a tree looks like. 
Yeah. It was fascinating in there talking about externalities and like the hidden costs of uh, shipping a Prius from China over to America back to Europe or gathering all the materials and, you know, all that shipping costs. It adds up over time. And who's paying for that pollution and and the environmental impact that has as well. Um, I remember hearing that back in the day when a Prius first came out, it was so like the to gather it and um, get all the materials and everything had more of an environmental impact than like driving a Land Rover from start to finish or something. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was the battery more than anything, right? Because right. like, what the hell do we do with this thing? And so we don't look at those. And, you know, like the classic example is like you have an externality around, say, um, you have an externality around, say, like a coal plant. And you're like, okay, well, we're just producing energy. You're like, great. Um, so what about the pollution, the cost of the pollution, the mercury, the toxicity and all this? Well, that's that falls on the commons, right? That falls sure. on society to deal with. And so what we're seeing is this really big delta where there's business up in one corner, like all for profit and doing stuff. And then there's like, you know, government and dot orgs, which are trying to like fix the world's problems. And the corporations are making all this money. Maybe if they're lucky, if we're lucky, they kick down 1% of profits, which come like, you know, with, with strings attached for the governments to like, you know, they put in their own lobbyists, their own politicians, and they also, uh, you know, support certain dot orgs. And then what that does is there's like a, you know, last I checked, is about a six trillion dollar delta in the you know the cost of kind of fixing some of these problems. And so, the more we grow the economy, the more this cancer grows. And so, we're at this place now where it's like we're fundamentally having to rethink how we run this thing called our economy because you know what what we have been doing just simply isn't working. And so, that's what the movie's going to go into is kind of action steps and how to do Big that time. or explore. Yeah, yeah. I'm not interested in getting people angry. Like I'm interested in actually pr- pr- promoting the solutions that we've already identified and right. and really showing uh, what these uh, you know what these heroes are doing. And I got to say, like you know, it's it's been a long week, and I cannot help but be elated by you know what's happening because you know I'm with these people. Like I'm filming in these really kind of intimate settings with heroes who are doing just incredible work and it's happening right now. Like there's a, there's a better way for us to do this. Like you don't have to, you don't have to make a deal with the devil. You can, you can, you can live your life healthfully and also support a world that supports you back without thinking, God, I just, you know, created more, you know, toxic gas or cancer on the planet. Yeah. And so where can people go uh, to find out more about prosperity uh, well.org slash prosperity goes to kind of the, the Indiegogo page and like lots of information about it. We're just, you know, we're just getting going with all this. I mean, I'm filming it, um, like crazy, but you know, I'm, uh, very, very involved in it. And we're just trying to like, you know, bring our audience and our fans involved in getting, getting them involved in just the, the bigger picture of what this thing's about, because this isn't my movie. This is our movie, right? This is about all of us. And I got to say, God, it's just, you know, it's really easy to get kind of doom and gloomy and like depressed about what's up with the world. I'm here to say that there are amazing, amazing people doing amazing things and really um, bringing solutions to, to to us that are absolutely like fundamentally changing all of this doom and gloom stuff. But if we don't support them, the bad guys win, right? So sure. it's really about us being, you know, locking arms uh, and doing it for humanity. Closing question, Pedram. Uh 
looking at 2015, what's something or 2016, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned? Um, You can't get it back. You know, I got two young kids and, um, you know, I got busy, busy lifestyle. And so I had to really just kind of make decisions and be like, look, if I, I am I going to be here as the father that I want to be, um, that they deserve to have and really spend the quality time with them and say no to lots of things that keep emerging on, on like the work landscape. Although, you know, I'm already doing too much. Um, I've been saying no to a lot of things because it's like, you know, my, my kids are growing teeth and, and things are happening and they're getting new words and you don't get those days back and, you know, you can't buy those regrets off. So, you know, mm. it's just, it's, it's really about having the work-life balance to be the whole person you need to be so that life doesn't pass you by. Great lesson. Um, the urban monk, Get it on Amazon, well.org to find out more about the meditation we went over today and prosperity. Um, any any other places you want to send them? Yeah, so well.org slash prosperity for the movie, well.org generally for like just all sorts of cool health information, theurbanmonk.com uh, for all the Urban Monk stuff, including the the reboot. So you go into there and I got like meditation, qigong, tai chi, all kinds of like just cool resources for free. And, um, you know, I'm here to help. Like I, I, I love what I do and, you know, I – I'm not the person, I'm not a tow truck. I'm here to teach you how to be a powerful person unto yourself and, you know, just basically join the party. I don't need followers. I need friends. And so let's do this together. And that's, that's kind of what I'm in this for. Like it's our world. Awesome stuff, Pedro. Thanks so much for coming on again, man. This is a fascinating call all about de-stress and unwinding. Uh, enjoyed talking to you today, man. Cheers, Clark. Always a pleasure. Pedro Shojai, everyone. His book, The Urban Monk, you can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or uh, go to well.org and get it over there as well. Fascinating stuff, incorporating Eastern wisdom into our modern, traffic-ridden, air-polluted, toxic world. I try not to stress out too much about it. I try to do the best I can. It's what this show's all about, guys. It's not about doing it perfect 100% of the time. It's about trying to improve ourselves every little day and uh, incorporate things like the sleep hacks we talked about managing your stress like a credit card, becoming aware of things so that we have the power to change our health. This week's rating and review, we are not reading one because we are all caught up. Please go over to iTunes if you like this show. Leave us a rating and a review in the box there on the show page. I think it takes like two minutes and it helps us out a ton. And you get your review read on air. Pretty cool. Announcements, uh, social media, at Paleo Hacks, that's P-A-L-E-O-H-A-C-K-S, and then at Clark Dangerous, that's Clark Danger O-U-S, on all the social platforms for us. PaleoHacks.com, of course, if you want more articles, recipes, and the archives of these shows from day one. All our episodes are listed over there. Go knock yourself out. I dare you to start from episode one and catch up to where we currently are. Do it. It'll be fun. Last thing mybestjournal.com. This is a course that will change your life in four hours. I put this together all about using that little five, six, seven dollar journal you get in a store, how you can use it to become the best tool you've ever used for self-growth and development. Um, got lots of workshops in this course I put together, including the 11 questions change your life, the six best journal exercises out there, and the complete book list of the 10 best books you can read. All that's over there. 
at mybestjournal.com. Thank you so much for listening, guys. means a lot. Uh, I love getting your feedback on this show. Next week, we got Jonathan Baylor coming on to talk about the SANE diet. Discover the world's healthiest foods using just four letters. I'll see you next Thursday. Thanks so much.